This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Whitney Smith Burgess speaks with Brandy Susowitz, founder of Clear Office. We're excited to have Brandy Susowitz, the founder and principal of Clear Office, with us today on the Impact Report. Brandy has been in the office furniture industry for over 20 years. And on June 12th of last year, she woke up with really a mission, and that was to create the first online marketplace for companies to buy and sell their pre-owned office furniture. Clear Office is the first online marketplace where buyers and sellers of used office furniture can connect directly. And we're really excited to have Brandy here. So thank you, Brandy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's dive in. Um, So the pandemic has brought about immense change for all of our lives. And really want to talk about how that affected you and how it catalyzed the founding of Clear Office. You know, I've been in the office furniture industry for a little over 20 years. And fast forward to March of 2020, we all, you know, we all remember the day. I think it was March, March 13th. And um, we went into lockdown. I was, uh, to be honest, completely honest with you about this, I was, I was, freaking out, you know, for lack of a better word, but, um, I'm in the office furniture industry and all my clients had disappeared. And this was the way I fed my family and I made a living and, you know, it's my livelihood. And all of a sudden the lights just shut off. And, um, I went through a few weeks of depression, not being able to get out of bed uh, because clients weren't calling me back and, you know, all, all the projects that I had on the board were gone. And, um, it was a very scary situation for a lot of people, um, who probably experienced the same thing that I did, you know, the uncertainty. And, uh, finally, you know, one day I woke up and I just thought to myself, you know, I'm never going to have this time on my hands, this kind of time on my hands. And, um, and so I went ahead and started doing research and, but then I started to, you know, realize with this pandemic, no one's going back to the offices and most likely there was going to be a huge, you know, inventories all around the globe of office furniture that didn't have homes. I tried to find a website online where you could buy and sell used office furniture. And I'm not talking like Craigslist or eBay or Amazon level because we all know those those outlets exist and um, we've been on them before. And, and really those sites are great for, you know, if you wanna buy a couple chairs for your, you know, for your home office or, you know, a table for your dining room, things like that, but it really doesn't 
deal with the real problem of trying to find a home for a building worth of office furniture. When I was doing my research, I couldn't find a site where you could add to cart and check out. So all these used office furniture sites that are online, if you find them, you have to, you know, add it to a quote and re request a quote from the seller, which is, you know, an office furniture broker. And, but you couldn't actually add the item to your cart and check out. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting that I'm surprised that doesn't exist. You know, it's 2020, right? I also found out while I was doing my research that the number 10 thing that people search for online that they want to buy that's pre-owned is buy and sell pre-owned office furniture. And I think that's when like the light bulb went off because I thought, wait a second, there's definitely a need. There's definitely a desire, a huge need, but it doesn't exist. To be totally honest with you, used office furniture brokers are, you know, a lot like used car salesmen. I don't say that to, you know, insult anybody, but it's a very, um, it's kind of a down and dirty business. And the people that run that industry, you know, I think they like the way they run it because they really only have to flip about four big jobs a year and they make, you know, four or $500,000 a year and they don't have to work that hard. But the problem with that is that the furniture ends up in landfill and, you know, it's a problem. I figured that there wasn't there wasn't a proactive way for companies to market their furniture online. And it was interesting to me because we all know that companies don't just decide one day that they're going to move. Most companies know for months in advance. We started the site and we put it together and, um, you know, we launched October 5th and the feedback has been just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I sounds like you really managed to come from a quite a difficult time in your life to have this moment where you realized there was not only an opportunity for your skill set, but also your, you know, and your deep expertise in the field, but also real need, um, not only from not only from an environmental standpoint and keeping all of these items out of a landfill, but a real need to assist these businesses. And that's quite a quite kismet in that moment the buyer side what i really wanted to do was make it easier for architects and designers to specify already existing products so that they could plug them into their projects and the feedback that i was getting from um you know from from big architects and designers uh you know like i talked to gensler gensler reached out to me the feedback from all these people was that they want to be able to specify already existing products, but they've never been able to find them. And, you know, the window of opportunity is, you know, four to six weeks and then it's gone. So there's no way to really specify existing products for their projects until now. So um, we are adding a feature to the site for for architects and designers and actually anybody that comes to the site, there'll be a hold button. So if you want to present a certain inventory to your client, you can place a hold on it for 48 hours. And then if you need longer, you can also request to have uh, an extended hold so that 
you have the opportunity and the time needed to, you know, plug it into a drawing, present it to the client, and then go through the approval process with them. That's fantastic. I, I really appreciate how you're coming at it from many angles. You're catering to both the facility manager that's got this need to find a new home for this furniture. You're also looking at the design industry and certainly as someone that works with architects on a daily basis, more and more of them are cognizant of trying to integrate products that integrate products that are reused or extending the life of products. So there's a, certainly a much, a growing awareness of that. And that is a real challenge for exactly the reasons that you just stated, the, de the design timeframe, a client approval timeframe and all of that. So I love how you're coming at it from multiple angles. And to your point earlier about really the magnitude of this, I in my readings that my understanding is something to the effect of 12 million tons of furniture is discarded every year and 80% of that goes to landfill. So over 9 million tons of yeah. that, which is just, it's, it's, I think those are numbers that are hard to even wrap your head around, especially when you know, based on, you know, the types of furniture that's in most of these locations is, as you said, meant to last. This is, these are not disposable items. And so finding a new home for them is critical. And there are these other people that need it. There's also another issue with waste and uh, construction materials, which I'm sure you've, you know, you're aware of. Um, but office furniture is about 25% of our landfill. And then the other 25% is construction materials. So, um, you know, I really feel like the same kind of model that I've created could potentially be used in construction materials as well. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not savvy to construction materials, but, um, but it's definitely something that could be improved as well. Um, and make a big dent in, in our landfill. Absolutely. So I'd love to dig in a little bit about the, the industry of office furniture and, you know, beyond what's going to a landfill and, and the percentages that you mentioned before about, I think you said 1% of furniture gets an extended life. Um, how, how big of an industry is uh, the, I guess, retail sale of office furniture and now potentially this second market. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's, you know, what is the revenue? Um, yeah, so I, um, I believe brand new office furniture sales are somewhere around $60 billion a year. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a huge market. Um, but as far, you know, as far as used furniture, there really, there really hasn't been a way to market the used. Um, so we're hoping that with this platform, it's giving people the tools that they need in order to, um, you know, be proactive instead of reactive. And no matter how nice your furniture is, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a liability, not an asset. If you wait 
till you know you're down to the wire and you need to vacate the building in four to six weeks. So it's all about you know getting in front of the problem and thinking about the second life of the furniture really at the time of purchasing it. And one of the things that I'm working on that I'm trying to um, you know get some traction with is the furniture manufacturers because they're aware, they're they're well aware of the fact that one percent of their furniture only gets a you know gets a second life. Only one percent of their furniture gets a second life. And um, really, what I what I was wanting to present to them was, I mean, imagine this. Let's say you're Oracle, and you have to purchase furniture for your brand new building. And at the time of purchasing your furniture, you're able to register for second life cycle solution. And what that would do is it would give the manufacturer and the furniture dealer permission to share the purchasing information with clear office. And in that, in that database, it would have all the original furniture drawings uh, all the specifications, including model numbers, fabrics, finishes. And then seven years later down the road, when that same facility manager needs to look for another space because they're moving from their old space, what he can do is call clear office and say, hey guys, you know, I'm so-and-so at Oracle and I've registered for second life cycle. All we need to do is pull up his address. We have all the original documents and information that we need in order to sell the product. And of course, because it's been, you know, seven to 10 years, we would just take the, you know, the drawing and send a project manager out to the site, do a walkthrough, verify that everything is the same, um, you know, as well as I do within seven to 10 years. Sometimes things change in a workplace, right? You have ads, moves, changes, that kind of thing. So we would just go there, verify that everything is, is the same. And then we would be proactive and we could put everything on the site and list that the product is not available right now, but it's available in 12 months and work on selling that product directly to an end user or through an architect who's gonna specify that product for our project. Um, and so really that's, I think for, you know, from where I come from and knowing this, this industry and, um, and knowing how things work, that's really the way to get in front of this problem. It's, it's really not, um, you know, it's not working the way it is. Um, if you call a broker and you say, Hey, I've got a building worth of furniture, but I'm not going to be getting rid of it for, you know, seven months. They'll say, well, call me when you're, when you're closer, when you're ready. They don't have a way of. Oh, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about getting your business off the ground. And, you know, we, we've heard a little bit about the inspiration for your business and, and how that really ties into where you were before and this need in the marketplace. But what were some of the challenges you faced in getting this off the ground because you because you did it quite quickly yeah i did um well remember it was right in the middle of quarantine and so i literally had nothing to do <laughs> so 
this was this was really the only thing that I was working on for months. But um, there definitely was um, some challenges. I, you know, originally started with a different platform and then moved it to another platform, um, and you know, it's. Uh, but but honestly. It was just something that I felt so called to do that every time I had, you know, a hiccup or a roadblock, I just kept going. And it seemed like all the doors, all the right doors were opening organically. Um, you know, I would say to my husband, man, I wish we had a logistics partner that we could work with. And then literally that week, somebody would call me because they found out about the business and they'd reach out to me and, you know, they were my logistics person, um, you know, or I had a question about something or, you know, needed help with the website uh, because I basically I built it all by myself um, and I'm really not a tech savvy person at all. So I was able to get it, you know, to. Um, to proof of concept. And then in the last couple of months, we've actually hired a team of developers that are going to be, you know, improving certain things. But, um, but the proof of concept definitely worked. And then, um, of course, we were getting orders. Um, so originally, we were, we were only getting orders for home office, um, you know, height adjustable tables and chairs, that kind of a thing. And um, it's only been in the last two and a half, three months that we've actually seen people return back to the office and, um, you know, get project work again, which is really exciting. And uh, it's kind of incredible, you know, um, the companies that called me, especially a couple of weeks ago, we got national press coverage and then it went global. And I was getting calls from, CEOs of, of big companies in the Bay area saying congratulations and wanting to talk to me about their, their office spaces and, you know, potentially returning back to work and how could they get their hands on some of this already existing material for their space. So, you know, the, the feedback has just been, it's been incredible. Um, you know, the circular economy is, it's not something that's become that's going to become less important. It's going to become more and more important. Um, and I've I've found that this past year, you know, everyone was listening to what I had to say about it. And I think it, you know, it had to do with the pandemic and just people kind of realizing that that you know something very tragic like this can happen. The pandemic just kind of came out of the blue for me at least. And, you know, it was like one day I was living a normal life and then, and then the world just shut down. So, um, and plus I live out here in California, in Northern California. And, uh, this past summer we had the wildfires. I literally could not go out outside my house to take a walk for two weeks. I had to have a mask whenever I went outside because the air quality was so bad and it really made people think, and especially myself, I thought, wow, this literally could be our new normal if we don't do something differently. So I think everybody is seeing that too. 
Um, I'm not just the only one. And, um, and I think people are, you know, they're finally listening. Yeah, I think some of this is hard to ignore. Certainly the pandemic is impossible to ignore and other tragedies like the wildfires and other devastating natural weather, natural and weather events are, right. are putting things front and center for everyone, certainly. So I, I agree that how we're doing business right now in a lot of ways is is not going to be sustainable in the long term, especially as populations continue to increase and we've got more folks on the earth um, that are needing resources. And so yeah. a company, company like yourself that is looking to help ex, you know, extend the use of an, an existing product and maybe give it multiple life and then ideally some of these manufacturers, and they are thinking about this, right, is what does the end of life look like and how do they actually recover those materials so that at the end of, of its existence through hopefully many iterations with clear office, it actually goes back and can be deconstructed and recycled or repurposed at that level. So you're really, clear office is really filling this void of the extension of these products lives, but then ultimately, hopefully we fully close that loop with tying it back to the remanufacturing. So I wanted to ask a little bit about, you know, you clearly have created a business with a real sustainability mission. And you've spoken a little bit about your role in the circular economy, but I wanted to maybe hear a little bit from you about, you know, you personally, and, and your mission in terms of sustainability, if, how you might define it, and if this is something that's always been in your blood, or this was kind of came to fruition as part of Clear Office, the emergence of Clear Office. Yeah, I, I really, um, I really haven't uh, paid too much attention to um, to sustainability in the past. Um, but really I've been able to dive into it. And I think what really changed my mind about the whole, you know, the whole issue at hand was just finding out the statistics and the amount of waste that goes into our landfills. And what really kind of gave me, you know, um, what turned this into a passion really was the pandemic, honestly. Um, and realizing that the, what happened with the pandemic is connected to, um, to sustainability and the global warming that's happening. Um, because the same exact thing that we experienced with the pandemic is something that is going to happen, you know, to this planet if we don't do things better and we have to start doing things differently. Um, and so I've definitely changed in the last year um, regarding the things I purchase. Um, you know, my I have a 19-year-old daughter. She's actually going to Portland State in the fall, and she's going to be studying and getting a degree in sustainability. Uh, and it's it's interesting because I noticed the younger generation is really, really, really interested and involved and really care about sustainability, which is great to know and, and hear. Um, but for me, I've, like I said, I've really changed this past year. Um, I really think twice about things that I purchase. Do I really need that? 
Can I find it already existing? Um, I'll give you an example. I, a year ago, actually it was, it was probably a kit, but I had purchased a brand new sectional for my house and um, through Pottery Barn, a, a, an L sectional. And the cushion on the seat had gotten really flat because, you know, during the pandemic, that's where I sat all the time. And so the cushion got really flat and I was able to call Pottery Barn and they actually sell the cushions separately. So, you know, you don't have to go buy a whole new sofa. You can actually call most manufacturers and get replacement parts for things, you know? Um, so really, I think the most important thing is um, with, with sustainability is not buying new products, you know, first look to see if it's existing somewhere else, if it's existing already, um, you know, when you're, when you're purchasing something new, even though it says it's made with, made with sustainable materials or, you know, whatever it might say, it's really not sustainable because it's a brand new product, right? So really, if we can just take more advantage of products that are already existing, it's going to turn out best for, you know, for everyone. Absolutely. And I think part of that is awareness and the fact that you have gone through this experience and now you're rethinking your relationship with products and would go to that length or go that route to, right. to return to a manufacturer and ask that. And I think to your point earlier about some of the major manufacturers of furniture is that they may have some of these programs, but it's not well publicized and so folks don't realize that they can reach out to companies and get replacement parts or fix something mm -hmm. themselves or have something repaired it is it's a, that's a real mind shift and i think a company like clear office is kind of putting that out there and facilitating that type of that type of change right yeah um, the other thing too, is we do offer design services. So if you're someone that's interested in used office furniture and you're looking at a certain inventory on the site, but you don't know if it's going to work in your space, you can always send us a CAD or, um, you know, a PDF and we can plug it in for you and show you how that certain inventory will look in your space. Um, because that's also, you know, part of buying used office furniture, right? People aren't going to buy used workstations if they don't know how it's going to lay out in their space. So um, we do offer that service as well as uh, the delivery and the installation. Absolutely. That's definitely a challenge for the architects as well as the future tenants is understanding how, how the furniture will fit in the space and getting the right layouts in order to fit the number of people that they need in the space, right? Right. I want to ask you a little about your inspiration for the name of the company. So where did Clear Office come from? So the, the original, no one's ever asked me that before. That's so funny. Um, so uh, like I had mentioned before, I had gone through a couple different ideas in starting the business. And um, one of one of the ideas was the plexiglass screens and I had registered the name clearoffice.com 
but then, you know, my focus changed and I really wanted to focus on trying to find a home for all this extra furniture that's out there. And I knew that it wasn't just a temporary problem, you know, uh, due to COVID. I knew that this has always been a problem because I've seen it for the past, you know, 20 years. And, um, so when I decided to change my focus and really focus on the used office furniture, I did think about maybe using another name for it, but I thought, no, you know, I really think that the name clear office could also work for clearing out a building. So, you know, it, it kind of just sounded right to me. And then, um, and then of course we designed the logo and we were really happy um, with how that turned out because you can't really see it, but it's really a C and an O. Um, it looks like an infinity symbol, but it's actually a C and an O for clear office. That's, that's, uh, I didn't actually notice that. <laughs> I, I yeah. definitely thought it was more of a, thought of it was more of an infinity sign. So I right. will go closer. Look at that. <laughs> but I love, I love how you do seems like out of some real hardship has sprung this business and all along the way, things have just started to fall into place, including things like having a name that didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily exactly the business that you thought you were starting, which is exactly pretty, pretty, pretty fascinating journey. Well, Brandy, thank you so much. This has been incredibly interesting and really supportive of the work that you're doing and looking forward to seeing where Clear Office heads next. Thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal Impact Report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests. Please rate and review the Impact Report wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot to your Instagram account and tag Impact Report Podcast. Visit clear-office.com to learn more and to shop or sell pre-owned office furniture. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, June 11th. We'll be speaking with Ramona Ortega, founder of My Money, My Future. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? Check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career in sustainability. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, fashion, circular economy, and more about how they launched their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industry. Visit gps.bard.edu resources today.